This week I saw a fascinating documentary about the Chicago Fire, which happened in October of 1871. Um, in this time, in 1871, most of our great city was made of wood. The streets were made of wood, the buildings were made of wood, and the Chicago River was, uh, was laced with grease from all the waste. And so eventually, inevitably, there was a spark lit and the city was set ablaze. It was four miles wide and one mile deep. Um, the fire spread and combusted so quickly um, and became so ferocious and so huge that people literally thought it was judgment day. They watched the fire burn the city and they thought, this, this is it, this is the end of the world. Some of the people escaped that night uh, by standing waist deep in Lake Michigan, looking out on the burning city. And just all night, they stood in Lake Michigan until the sun came up, watching, watching all of the, of the grand buildings that they thought were fireproof burned down. So when they emerged from Lake Michigan or from wherever they were hiding, they found almost every building destroyed in the path of the fire. All street signs gone, landmarks that they thought would stand forever were gone, and it was just a stump. So when you look out and you see the beautiful skyline today, we've got to ask the question, how did a burned-down city become the world-class, one of the most incredible skylines that we know now? One Chicago historian said that Chicago began rebuilding so quickly that the ground was still hot to the touch. So when the ground was still hot to the touch, there were, there were architects on the ground, there were builders on the ground, there were people with vision on the ground, building it from the ground up while it was still hot to the touch. So rubble and debris, for instance, were shoved into Lake Michigan and created Grant Park. Um, so um, the events of 2020 have been like a fire, burning so hot and so long that it feels like Judgment Day, literally, Judgment Day. It really has broken down our sense of community. I see that so strongly, just that sense of connectedness and being loved and, and being outside of yourself. For some, it has taken our jobs or livelihood. Almost everyone I talk to is in some kind of funk right now if not depressed, if not facing major tensions in their soul and their relationships that mean the most to them. Maybe there's other things in your life or your community that God has burned down or that the events of 2020 has burned down. So how does God respond when life burns us down? Well, the prophet Isaiah describes a God not unlike those Chicago architects in 1871. He's on the scene rebuilding our life when the ground is still hot to the touch. After life burns us down, God builds us up. Brick by brick, relationship by relationship, piece by piece, being torn down does not have the last word in the kingdom of God. And so we want to ask the question, how specifically does God build us up when life burns us down? And how... Does this apply to our losses in 2020? So let's look at Isaiah 40 and investigate these questions and hear about this rebuilding God. First, we're going to see that God speaks words of comfort into our ears 
That's one of the ways he builds us up, is by words of comfort spoken into our ears. Isaiah 40, verse 1 says this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now notice how God's words of comfort are both tender and triumphant. God speaks to us tenderly as those who have been through a lot. Comfort, comfort, he says. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. This is the tender tone that we would use with a heartbroken friend who's just been through a breakup or a traumatized child that has just been through something terrible. We would say comfort, comfort. Anyone who has been torn down by life needs a tender tone. Anyone who's lost someone or something significant needs a tender tone. Some of you have maybe adopted a shelter pet during COVID, and you know that pets that have a past of being mistreated need a tender tone. They need a gentle voice. They flinch easy, they scare easy, and, and, and they need to be spoken to tenderly. And all of us have been through some kind of uh, hard thing. We need God's tender tone after 2020. What tone have you experienced from other voices this year? Like, how have you been spoken to this year? Maybe from the news, uh, from leaders, from family or books or social media. I think for many of us, the tone that we've been taking in all year has been a tone of discouragement and a tone that's somewhat gloomy or a tone that's harsh and shaming or judgmental or anxious. And after a while, hearing harsh and depressing news can just really like break you down and burn down any sense of well-being inside. And so we need this Advent to hear God's words of comfort, comfort, speak tenderly to my people. I don't know if you've ever gotten on the phone with a friend or a loved one after a long time and just been like, man, it's good to hear your voice. Have you ever said that? Like, ah, it's like good to hear your voice. There's something in the tone of a voice of someone who knows you, who loves you, who's been with you through so much. To hear it again, man, especially after you've been through something hard. And they're like, I'm still here. We're going to get through this together. I love you. I care about you. Ah, it is good to hear your voice, Lord. Maybe some of us have just not heard the voice of the Holy Spirit for a long time. We've just been through too much. We've lost, lost that sense of the Lord speaking to us, speaking to us tenderly, speaking to us with that assurance and that gentleness. God doesn't just speak to us tenderly. His words of comfort are also triumphant. They're objectively good news that he speaks. Verse two says this. Speak to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Imagine you're in prison, serving a life sentence. You're one year in, and all you expect for the rest of your life is gray prison walls. And you hear someone say your name and then tell you, your case has been overturned. You're being released today for the rest of your life. 
Or imagine being a mother of a soldier serving in a long and violent war. You get the phone call that you've been dreading, but instead of it being bad news, the news is this. I want to let you know that the war is over and your son is on a plane heading home as we speak. Man, how comforting those words would be. Or maybe you felt some relief yourself when you heard the news, hey, the latest COVID vaccine is over 90% effective and could go to frontline workers within weeks. And you're like, okay, okay, maybe there's an end in sight. God sends news like this to Israel. I'm putting an end to all your bloodshed. A time is coming when your enemies will stop harassing you once and for all. Your conflicts will be behind you. Peace is before you. And guess what? I'm pardoning your sins and your iniquities that have kept us separate. Your sins are forgiven. You are clean before God. There's no more shame or guilt. There's no more regrets for living in your past. You are forgiven. Your iniquity is pardoned. Now look, both of these realities are true in Jesus. We can be forgiven of our sin before God. We can live in his peaceful kingdom forever. There's a part of it that starts now, and there's a very significant part of it that will go on forever. In the end, every single trial and every single bit of trouble in our souls will pass away. It will have an end. It will have an end. That's part of God's comfort is that there's a sense of triumph to this news. It won't last forever. COVID won't last forever. Our guilt won't last forever. Racism won't last forever. Division won't last forever. Being isolated won't last forever. There will come a day when everything good that we've ever hoped for can and will come true in Jesus if we trust him. Um, In the Book of Common Prayer, there are what we call comfortable words. They're literally called comfortable words. And they're just God's words, but put right after the confession of sin. Words like, come to me, Jesus speaking, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or the words of Paul the Apostle, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. He came to save. Now these are words from God that mean more to us after life has burned down our sense of well-being. Words like, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Or, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These comfortable words are like fireproof bricks that rebuild our life after it's been burned down by tragedy or trauma. And the Lord himself gives us those bricks to rebuild us into his beautiful temple. Joseph McCabe says this, Comfort ye, what a good word to the human heart from the heart of God. That word is the best word. To know that the creator is also the comforter is to have peace at the center. Behind the cosmos is one who cares He who knows all is he who loves most. You are known completely, and you are loved eternally. Therefore, comfort ye. Boy, we need that. 
We need the words of comfort for our ears to build us up after so much has been burned down. More than that, though, for our eyes, God builds us up with images of glory. So if he's been building us up with our ears, with words of comfort, with our eyes, he's going to build us up with images of glory. Before the pandemic, I didn't know how nourishing it would be to see a literal human face without the mediation of a screen or without a mask. Have you ever said this during COVID? Man, it's good to see your face. It's good to see your face. I love a face. Um, the faces of family are comforting. The faces of a friend is comforting. The face of God is comforting. We've had a very good mandate to wear a mask. It's actually, it keeps COVID from spreading more rapidly, and we see it as important. And yet, we also just recognize, well, it means we don't see faces as much, and that's been hard. Now, Isaiah foretells a day when all barriers to seeing the face of God will be removed. He says this in verse 3, a voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. What's Isaiah talking about? Well, these are all images of God moving creation around, like reworking the pieces of creation, removing barriers to seeing God's face. So, Whatever room you're in right now, look around. Look at the walls. Look at the ceilings. Look at the windows. Everything keeping you closed in. Now imagine the, the ceiling melting away. Imagine the walls falling right before your eyes. Imagine every barrier to being with people, all masks and the COVID reality behind it being like melting away. And all of a sudden you find yourself like on a, uh, on a pilgrimage to gather with all of God's people and you find yourself in the presence of God. There's everybody you've ever known in Christ with you and you are there before God's face. You're there before God's throne. That's a little bit of the image that Isaiah is picturing here that all barriers to being with God and his people are removed and all flesh is standing before the glory of God. Isaiah anticipates this day in verse five when he says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here is a day at the very end of history when all flesh will see the glory of God. Um, God intends for his glory. He wants his glory to be seen um, from, uh, from all people, from all of history. And it will be an awesome, awesome sight. It will be beautiful and grand to see the face of God. The sight of his glory will eclipse all other sights of glory that we've ever seen. And it's especially true for any images that have troubled us, the things that we have seen that have torn us down, as well as any words of condemnation that have been spoken to us. Um, 
However, if we're not ready for this moment, seeing the face of God can be our undoing. It's so bright, it's so holy, it's so pure that seeing God's face directly could undo us. Verse six, a voice says cry, and I said, what shall I cry? Answer, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Compared with God's glory, our glory will fade so quickly. Our glory is like a blade of grass that quickly springs up, but then a hot desert wind could blow over it and turn it brown within a matter of hours. Yet, when we see God's face, when we see God's face, we'll want to gaze upon that face forever. And um, the good news is that God wants us to see his face forever. Our face and our influence and our glory is fading. You even see, like, after a year, someone's face looks a little different. Like, when we all get together again at some point in 2021, we see all the kids and we'd be like, whoa, you've grown so much. But then we'll look at the adults and we'll be like, wow, COVID really kind of aged you. We won't say that out loud. But the face of God will be beautiful forever. And it is only by looking into the beautiful face of God that our faces will be as radiant and as glorious as they are intended to be by God forever. Even now, Jesus can make us ready for that final day to look upon the face of God. He can forgive our sin. He can make us new creatures. And even as our physical faces uh, either are, are aging quickly or we're wearing the stress of this year, man, our true spiritual face can shine brighter and brighter and brighter with each day that we get closer to his appearing. It is actually God's glory to restore our glory. The face of his glory shines even brighter as it reflects off of ours. One early church pastor said it like this, the glory of God is woman or man fully alive. The glory of God is woman or man fully alive. So it is actually his glory to restore and save us from top to bottom, especially after life has torn us down and burned us down. God speaks comfort into our ears, and he fills our eyes with images of glory, not only in the future, but also now. And then, um, finally, God is going to strengthen our voice with a compelling message. He's gonna strengthen our voice. That's one of the ways he builds our life back up after life has torn us down. He strengthens our voice with a compelling message. And this is so important for those who have been torn down. For people whose voice has been silenced. For people who have an exhausted voice. They have nothing left to say. God restores their voice. And he does so by giving us a compelling message to deliver with confidence. Here's our assignment, verse nine. He says, go up 
Uh, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Names are very important. The name we receive from God and the people that matter to us mean a great deal. And I want you to notice the name that God gives his formerly traumatized people. It's Zion, herald of good news. And then it's repeated, Jerusalem, herald of good news. That is God's identity for his people, herald of good news. Like your middle name is herald of good news. God's intention for us is to let this sink into our identity. I am a herald of good news. I am a witness. This reminds me, Rick Richardson gave a talk for our diocesan gathering called Revive. And his message was on, was on evangelism. And he said that it's important for us who follow Jesus to say to ourselves, I am a witness. And then to say to Jesus, I am your witness. That's who I am. Isaiah pictures God's people as a confident woman standing on top of a mountain, yelling loud enough to be heard for miles and miles. And she's saying, God is here. He has come to deliver us from death. He's ready to forgive. He's a comforter, so come and see. She's not promoting herself. In fact, her key message is, behold. That's the key thing that she keeps on saying. Behold, behold, like look. At the end of verse 9, she is told to say to the cities of Jerusalem, behold your God. And then in verse 10, behold the Lord God who comes with might. And then she says, behold, his reward is with him. And his reward is all the people that he's restored. God says, comfort, comfort, so that we can say, behold, behold. This is part of the process. This is integrated into the process of building up our life after it's been burned down. We don't just take in the comforting words with our ears. We don't just take in the comforting Uh, images of glory with our eyes. That would be to shortcut God's rebuilding process, like building the foundation without building the skyscraper above the foundation. We have a message to share with our mouth. It's our story of how God has rebuilt our life, how he's comforted us, of how he's forgiven us, of how he's restored us, and how he can rebuild any life. Together, we can tell others with confidence that God will treat them like is described in our final verse, verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. This is part of her testimony. She's saying, he, God, will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Hey, look, we started with comfort. We're ending with comfort. The difference is that at the beginning, God was speaking the comfort through Isaiah, and at the end, the formerly comforted people are now the ones using imagery and testimony to talk about the comforter. We're not just waiting in Advent for God because that's what we need to do. We do. 
We're waiting at Advent for, for the Lord to make good on his promises so that we can, we can share with others what he has done for us. We can even picture that strong, burly shepherd described in verse 11, carrying a lamb at each arm, you know? And then, but he's also going slow enough that the pregnant sheep can keep up with him. And like, this is a restoring shepherd who really cares about people. Like, sheep are an image for people, and we need a lot of gentleness from a good shepherd. And we've all been treated gently by the good shepherd. And the truth is that those lambs he's got in his arms are people that don't know him yet, people that don't have the comfort yet. They're, they're off somewhere. They're, bah, you know, they're like close to the cliff. They're getting close to danger. And we've, we've been sent to, to like be like, hey, there's a shepherd out there. He cares about you. Get away from the cliff. You don't need to go near that cliff. Come over here to the shepherd. He restored me. He, re- he can restore you. I think for those of us who have followed Jesus, our sense of what is possible in God to change lives has been diminished. Not just diminished by the crises of 2020, but I think even diminished in our own, in our own minds about what God can and can't do to change lives. In the process, we've lost our voice. We've lost our message. We've lost our confidence. To share what God can do for every man, woman, and child who comes to him. This, I see, is starting to change in our community. As we learn doable, practical, everyday ways to share our faith and share our life that are appropriate for people who do not yet know Jesus. I think that it would be a truly healing thing for each one of us to see how good God is for our city. Because I think we love our city and we love Jesus. We just don't think they're good for each other. We just think that like Jesus is good for me and Chicago is good for me, but Jesus and Chicago, not necessarily good for each other. I think it would be a healing thing for us to find our evangelistic voice, maybe for the first time. I think that it will ennoble us, encourage us to take on this identity of herald of good news, of witness. I am a witness. I am a herald of good news. And I can't tell you how ennobling it will be for us to see on this very stage, people giving witness, standing where I'm standing, but instead of preaching a sermon, they're just sharing their testimony of how Jesus carried them in their arms because you told them your story about how he carried you in his arms. I think that will be a very healing moment for us. To see man and woman made fully alive and to see God get glorified in the process. You know that imagery of glory of the, the mountains being made low and valleys being lifted up and I mean the world is like shaking The most tangible expression of that in human history is when people who are alienated from God and hardened towards him or suspicious of him come to him and are open to him and are made alive by him. And the truth is that he is powerful enough to do that 
no matter what the barriers are. And all flesh will see it together. So here's a practical way for us to step into this together. What has God done in your life this year? Has there been grace for you? Has he been comfortable with you? Has he been tender with you? Has the Lord met you this year or in other years? Write it down in a simple way, imperfectly. Share it with someone in your city group. Share it with someone in your life that follows Jesus. Try it a couple different ways. The more we practice those conversations, the more we might be ready in everyday conversation to share as part of our own story when it's appropriate with others that want to know us and want to know the God that we serve and follow. The Chicago fire was not good. I, I don't uh, see this documentary and, and hear about the Chicago fire and like all that human suffering was, no, it was not good. But it, but it made way for good things to happen. It made way for stricter fire codes and a world-class skyline. Similarly, the tragedies of 2020 have not been good. It's led to a lot of suffering and pain and division. It's been really hard. Nevertheless, the crises of this year have made way for God to rebuild our life with his words of comfort, with his images of glory, and with a compelling message to share. We're going to hear the comfortable words of Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort, in a way we never would have before. The Lord is building us back up. I tell you this in Jesus' name. He is building us back up brick by brick to be the city of God, more beautiful and majestic and strong than we could today imagine. So let us listen to his words. Behold his glory and share it with others. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.